Lost premiered on ABC on September 22nd, 2004. Let's put 84 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode. That means the first show, in case you didn't know. Well, you never know what show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantinen and I am your host. And I'm joined, as always, by Grimes! That's right, John Grimes, a.k.a. the Smoke Monster. <laughs> Whoa, In buddy. the house. We're not supposed to spoil it. Everybody, Sorry. Everybody knows it's the Smoke Monster <laughs> by now, right? I would assume they I would, do. I mean, the show's 12 years old, so... 12 years old god it doesn't feel that like when did it end was it like 2010 maybe five seasons so nine i think it read six seasons oh okay so yeah 2010 2010 like maybe stretching into 2011 it feels like it ended a really really long time ago and i don't think matthew fox has gotten a job since Hey, you don't need one when you're Jack from Lost. That's it. All right, I'll say he did get a couple jobs. He got that one movie where uh, it's like it's like seeing a murder or something from a whole bunch of different perspectives. Oh, it's called Vantage Point. Yes, that movie was okay. And he plays like a secret agent, right, or something like an FBI agent, like a like a Secret Service or something. Yeah. Right, right. I've never seen it. It's all right though. It's worth watching. I mean, I don't know. If it's on TBS and you're really bored, sure. And he also was in Speed Racer, and he uh, was uh, in a mask most of the time. And then he was, the last one that I remember him from was he was in the new, it's like a movie with Tyler Perry, and he plays uh-huh. like a detective, and Matthew Fox is like super ripped and skinny, and he plays the bad guy. But I can't for the freaking life of me remember. It was Alex a... Cross. Yes, Alex Cross. Ah, I know my Tyler Perry dude. Don't ever <laughs> test me on Medea or any of that. Well, that that was the role that uh, Morgan Freeman used to play, right? He, he used to be Alex Cross and like Along Came a Spider, and one other movie. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, Alex Cross is the name because that's like the thing we do now is we don't like come up with a cool name. We just name it after the main character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like John Carter, Alex Cross, John Ryan. Like we just name it after the guy. It's not exactly uh super creative in any way. But anyways, we're talking, of course, about Matthew Fox, aka Jack Shepard, aka the main character of Lost. As I said, it premiered on September twenty second, two thousand and four. This is a two part pilot we're gonna be discussing, so eighty four minutes total if we can possibly survive that long can we do it and well they survived for a long time on the island so i think we can do 84 minutes (laughs) in our in our homes on a microphone um this is the first ever entry of the pilot study hall of fame one of the greatest pilots of all time this these will be episodes where we really bring the big guns in terms of analysis and just in terms of the shows that we highlight so we wanted to do Lost first. I think that's the only one. We each nominated like three or four. And I think this is the only one where we cross paths, right? I think so, yep. 
So this also functions as the season finale of Pilot Study Season 1. We'll take about, you know, maybe a month break to kind of retool and rethink some of our strategies and maybe some of our features. And then we'll come back. And once again, we are, of course, housed on modern-vinyl.com, part of their family of podcasts. So go and listen to all of those other shows, including Pilot Study. Now, Pilot Study is not time-sensitive. We very rarely touch on what's currently going on in the TV scene. So if you want to True. go back and listen through episode one up until now, it's again, it's not time sensitive. It's something that you can binge like any terrible Netflix season three show. Like uh, <laughs> what's the show that I always reference and I never remember the name for? Um, no, the, I don't remember. The, the Netflix show with the guy from The Sopranos. Oh, oh, uh, Lily Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Lily Hammer. One day. You hate on it so bad and you never have even watched one minute of it. I have not, but I know it's a show that is somehow still going or went pretty long and I've never heard, never really heard of it. All right. So I'll do some of the specs here real quick. J.J. Abrams uh, directed the pilot. He won an Emmy for the direction of this episode. Abrams, Damon Lindelof, who would eventually become a great science fiction fan punching bag for his work on both this show and Prometheus, um, now works on The Leftovers, a great show, uh, also wrote this. And Jeffrey Lieber, who I've got a great, great fucking story about Jeffrey Lieber <laughs> as we go All on. Right. They received an Emmy nomination, but they did not win. So those are the two big ones. This had a budget of roughly $12 million. Holy cow. It was the most expensive pilot in television history until... Boardwalk Empire's 2010 pilot cost $18 million, and that's courtesy of the great Lostpedia, which I found on the web. They have broken down every single episode, so go and find Lostpedia if you are a big fan. All right, let's move on. So, (laughs) I want to start with the game today. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, this game is called Yes, No, Kill me. All right? So th- <laughs> yeah. those are your three options. And I'm going to give you a couple categories. First up, Matthew Fox. And you got to explain why you're yesing him, knowing him, or you just can't take it anymore and you're taking him out. All right. I'm yesing him. Okay. Now, are you, is this from a Party of Five connection that you're carrying over? <laughs> no, this is based solely on the Lost Pilot. I'm keeping it to the study. Okay. Now I'm saying yes because... Oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. Me. I'm waiting for your explanation. Well, first of all, I'm saying yes to Jack Shepard, not Matthew Fox. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm saying yes because he takes charge. He is a doctor. He wakes up from a plane crash, immediately able to sprint to help people. <laughs> He's right. diagnosing. He's got shit falling. He doesn't care. There's explosions. Doesn't care. Um, he's saving lives from minute one on this show. He's always got that serious look on his face. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I liked this character a lot when I started the series back in 04, and I liked him this time. I'm going to yes him. I like Jack Shepard. I know some people aren't super in favor of him, but I think Matthew Fox is a relatively solid actor in this role. I think, along with the show, his performance kind of goes off the rails in later seasons, but here... You know what he is? He's very, um, he plays very physically exhausted well. 
Like, yes. Not yeah. not everybody can do that. Like when he's getting stitched up by Kate there in that that now fame not <laughs> now famous scene in Lost History. Uh, it's just yeah. like him sweating and it probably helped that they were filming in Hawaii, but the sweating and like the pain he's able to exude just through his face and like and some like makeup that makes him look like he got cut. I don't know. I buy it. Like I buy that he's physically not in a great place <laughs> and uh, the man's at the very least tired he is tired and like i said not everybody like if you put um charlie the character of charlie in that same scene i just don't think it's as effective because i don't know i think fox kind of brings it in this one and you had uh you had mentioned the beach scene and yeah well we can talk about the beach scene here in, <laughs> in general in a little bit because i think they spent 80 percent of their budget on just the beach scene <laughs> Oh God! Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm yesing him. Okay, so the next one, yes, no, kill me, and this is lost related, but not exactly in the pilot. Hurley on the cover of a Weezer record. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. I'm gonna say yes. Lost related is tough, but I think Hurley in the show. You know, he's instantly likable, yet different, kind of like Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only connection I can really draw. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not really, I don't know enough about the album or like how much Rivers had to be into Lost at that moment to name a whole album after one character, but. He must have been really into know. it. It's a pretty bad record. It's probably the worst of their career. Uh, it's close between <laughs> between that and Ratitude. It's like. I don't know, the lesser of two evils. I don't know which one prevails. But, uh, yeah, I guess he's forever immortalized on a record album. That's kind of cool. Just cool, yeah. I'm, I'm going to know it because it's it's a very terrible record. All right. My, yeah. my last one, and this will, tie, this will tie into our talk of CGI, the polar bear attack. Yes, no, <laughs> kill me. Uh, no, it just, no, in every, like, no, it, it's unnecessary, no, it didn't seem, like, the way that that pilot got just massacred, mm-hmm. and whipped around, and slammed, like, a bear couldn't slam somebody through an airplane, I'm sorry, bears are strong, but come on, steel, well, you buddy, can't melt steel beams at that temperature, bro. You must, you must not got... <laughs> You must not got to the point of the series where it's definitely not the bear that pulls him out of there. The bear is a separate entity to this. Oh, because then they. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know they. I think they even kind of allude to that in the in part two, maybe. If yeah I'm the sure. the thing that pulls the pilot out, and we can bleep this out, is the smoke monster. Yeah, we're not bleeping shit. This thing is so <laughs> old. Okay. There's no spoilers for The Sopranos, The Wire, Lost. Like, come on. I'm going to say kill me on the bear because the CGI is just horrendous. And I think they even redid it. I read something where it was even worse and they had to redo it. But, like, even when the bear is just, like, lying on the ground after it was shot, it still looks fake. It's, like, they couldn't, I mean, obviously they're not going to bring a real polar bear in and kill it. And lay it down. <laughs> <laughs> Why not like get some B roll of one sleeping at a zoo and Photoshop it in or something? It just—it's a really—it takes—it totally took me out of that second episode. It's really one of the only sole bad marks of this pilot, which beyond that is extraordinary. Now let's talk about the beach scene because that's a really, really famous one. 
And um, so Jack leaves the jungle at the very beginning. He opens his eye. He had that iconic opening. And he finds the bottle of liquor in his pocket, which will eventually tie in. And by the way, the polar bear ties in in a pretty interesting way at, at some point in the series. Um, but he comes onto the beach. They don't show the full scope of the crash right away. They more so focus on Jack himself and point the camera towards him away from the, the beach scene. So we're kind of surprised um, as he runs past each, each piece of the wreckage. Um, and I think that's a really, really great move. Again, much of the budget seemed to be tied up in this huge plane wreck that they uh, that they depicted, and they still couldn't make that explosion look good when part of the plane blew up. Like that looked really bad. That <laughs> looked that looked like it was from twenty years ago or something, didn't it? Yeah, the one where just... he, the one where he gets sucked into the into the uh, the plane section and blows everything up. It looked like a, a parody or something. Thing. It looked right. funny. It looked like something out of MacGruber. Yes, yes. <laughs> it did not look real. Okay, so we had a bet that whoever came up with the most obscure lost fact, because people <laughs> don't know this, but I'm getting married this summer, and our in the bachelor party is like three weeks from now. So we're going to see each other in person in three weeks. Whoever comes up with the most obscure lost fact had to buy the other one. Well, whoever loses has to buy the first drink. So here's my my first entry. I know the name of the guy that suck, got sucked into the plane. <laughs> okay, do he it. Has, he has an official name. His name is Gary Troop, T-R-O-U-P. He is a middle section survivor, according to this. And apparently, yes, he was sucked into the turbine of a plane only minutes afterwards, causing the engine to explode and kill him. So they actually gave that guy a name. That's how deep they went. And I don't know. Oh, I don't know if this is like the real person, but apparently they're saying he was the author of a mystery novel. That's got to be like the real person or something. I'll have to double check that part. <laughs> but his name's Gary Troop. So that's my first of many entries into this contest. Just so you know. Anything you want to say about the beach scene? Um. Well. <sighs> It was nice, I guess, knowing all the characters to see them introduced all at once like that. It was kind of cool to do that. Did they? Did you feel like they needed to say their names as much? No. <laughs> that, but that was very pilot-like. Which yeah. this, uh, that was one of the few pilot-like devices that um, we've seen in almost every show we've done. That this, you know, it is a pilot. They do have to introduce and hook people and. Um, but yeah, they 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 do the names a lot. Um, I also uh, I also like the fact that it's like compounding issues. That's like the whole sequence is like he finds one thing that's really bad, and then somebody's having a baby, and then somebody, you know, then there's somebody else who's not breathing. It's like every issue he comes to is worse than the last. Yes, and it just keeps going and going, and you know the beach like. I hate planes. I hate plane crashes. I hate flying. I so this shit like I don't enjoy it. I have to like I, I can't really watch it closely. Um, like uh, how, when the flashback. To the- how do you do on flights? Like, what do you pop a couple Ambien? What's your strategy? I yeah, I, Ambien, Xanax, whatever I can get. Smoke, eat, drink, whatever. <laughs> just because I, I I'm just getting so nervous, like. Once I'm up there, it's fine. Actually, I don't even mind takeoff or, or anything. But 
it's all the anxiety leading up to it, thinking about like, you know, the statistics and I don't know. But so anyway, there's that. But the explosions were terrible. Like the plane, that big piece falling and Hurley being able to somehow outrun it with a pregnant lady. Like those are two candidates getting killed for sure. Um, well, you know, I just think like when the plane thing fell down, though, I felt that felt real and organic. Like the fe- it didn't look CGI'd at all. Like I thought they they did that like little stunt pretty well. But yeah, I mean Hurley's three hundred pounds. Right. She almost had a baby, so you know it looked real. Yes, CGI wise. But I guess all this analysis aside, and not to put the cart way before the horse, but. Sitting here talking about this to me feels like I'm an idiot because I have no idea what happens in the rest of the series. Um, Because on the original run, I got to about season two. Like, I remember the hatch. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, that weird guy that was down there doing sit-ups and eating cereal. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember that well, but that's it. So So, can can I ask what made you stop? What was, like, your turning point where you said, eh, I'm good? It was just so many setups and questions and foreshadowing, and I just couldn't. I was also in the army at the time, which is a pretty intense thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't follow it week to week. This was pre DVR culture, pre streaming, like watch at your convenience. You know, I had to be pretty much available Thursday nights or whenever it was on. Right. Um, and I, it just got to be too much, man. It was all. It was all like foreplay. No. No money shot. You know, people would say that it continues in that vein for all six seasons. So you're probably <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. If that if that frustrated you, like I really I really enjoyed season two. I I really enjoyed it up to like the end of season three. The end of season three has an amazing um, cliffhanger and kind of reveal. And like the beginning of season four is pretty decent, and then it just kind of tails off after that. So like if you really wanted to watch more episodes, I would go to the end of season three allow that expl- that surprise to shock you and then kind of you can probably drift off after that so um okay. i know another thing i noticed about that and also we're gonna we pick this apart to like a minute level but we both love this and that's why we're putting it in the hall of fame so anything we pick apart it it, it did not detract from my enjoyment of this pilot at all and we'll, no, me i either. think we'll probably get into like a gush session later on and why how, why we love it but um also, like after it explodes, everybody's just kind of like hanging around the planes still. Like I'd be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, I don't think I'd be like just sitting at the beach, staring at right. the ocean, thinking about shit. I'd be freaking out. Like I just assume more explosions would follow, or like more disasters would follow in that plane. Uh, but you know, I guess I guess it stays together. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to. Oh, when uh, right after that, right after Jack saves all these people. There's this really funny joke where, or this really, really lighthearted moment after all that destruction where, like, he's got that blade in him or whatever, he's cut, and then Kate shows up and he's like, uh, do, uh, do you have a second? <laughs> like, we're on a fucking <laughs> desert island, dude. Of course she has a second. Um, but it's just a, it was a great question to ask and kind of like a, an entry into the lightheartedness of, and also the any color preference joke. Was also a pretty good one with the oh uh, yeah on this this thread there yeah with the thread so I like that they tossed a couple of jokes in there just to kind of uh, lighten it up after like you're pushing people out of the way and somebody gets sucked into a propeller and you know all that I guess a, a jet doesn't have propellers <laughs> I would suppose 
Um, anything else about that very beginning? I mean, what do you think about like the the different character introductions there? Was there anybody you think really got a moment um, that you were happy about or you thought was really done well in that in those first few scenes? Well, Hurley and the pregnant lady. Mm-hmm. They, you they, see John Locke like sitting down, right? I think yeah. Don't you see him sitting up or doing something? Because he's, yeah, he's doing something. Okay, he's he gets a very very quick glimpse. Who else gets a glimpse? Is it um, you see um, Saeed, Charlie? What about the Boone introduction? They really I play... hate Boone and his sister the uh, most. I remember that hate came back so strong when uh, I saw them. Both. I I hate them too. They're the worst. Um, they're probably the worst characters that they introduced. But I did like that Jack made him feel like an idiot going to get all those pens yeah yeah come on <laughs> pens dude so i wrote them down as snobs because i couldn't remember their name at first um Court- courtney they- De- courtney definitely laughed at the do you have a second moment and she also laughed at sawyer's first close-up i don't remember exactly how it's depicted but like i guess he's just like this really quick close-up of him and him being an asshole as usual yeah i um I guess that's nothing new either, but that I, I just have to say how much I hate Sawyer. <laughs> he, he, I don't know. He gets a lot of redeeming stuff later on. Like, I think they felt that, I think they felt that hate that he was like overly hated. You, if you're a, you have to walk a fine line if you're like a badass but also cool. Mm-hmm. And he just, the coolness wasn't there. Yeah. And he also has a southern accent at the beginning, which they kind of dispatch of. Um, at some point, which is probably a good choice. Yeah, uh, I don't know when Locke's first shot is, but I think they show him at the at the plane crash, but I'm not entirely sure. But he's obviously a main character and a, somebody that's pretty big later on. And I have a funny story about an early script with Locke here in a little bit. Um, like I said, the name intros are like a wee bit clumsy. Like, uh, like I think at one point they're like, can you go get some wood? Will do. What's your name? <laughs> like that's not really yeah. like the next question you ask. But what's your name? There's, yeah. there's so many like characters. You have to give them a chance to have some kind of introduction. Right. So I mean, there's there's definitely that that part of it that um, uh, like the campfire too is another good scene. They spend like pretty equally like thirty seconds with each character. Um, and it's nothing fancy. They they use the fires for like lighting, which is a nice touch. But they just spend thirty seconds, get to know like each and every person or each and every like pair that they've kind of created, like the sisters, Hurley and the pregnant woman who is whose name is Claire. And um, it, it kind of gets that intro job done. So by the time the fire thing ends and like the monster stuff begins you have characters established. I think it was important to do that before the monster got there. Because after the monster gets there, it's like, I want to know what the fuck that is. I don't care about Charlie. <laughs> and when do you know what that is? By season five? Um, oh, That's a good question. <laughs> I think it's season three. Okay. Sometime in season three, I think maybe the tail end of season two. And yeah, See, let me... Oh, sorry. It's a It's a disappointment. That it ended up being a, a pillar of smoke. <laughs> Jesus. So. Well, see, not only is that a disappointment, but here's what I also don't like. I don't like shit that makes me feel real dumb. Like, mm-hmm. I'm already a TV addict. Like, I'm already dumb, okay? I get it. I don't need to, like, 
Like, I don't like when it's, is it real? Are they in purgatory? Is it a dream? Is Jack awake? Like, is the shit real or not? Like, are they really crashed on an island? I don't, that's why I quit watching the show. Like, get to the point. You you would like the early script, and I think that's a good segue into a script called Nowhere. This was written by Jeffrey Lieber, who, like I said, was one of those guys that got the Emmy nomination. But he got it because he had to he had to go through some arbitration process to actually get the credit because they changed so much from that original script to what it is now. But just a few examples of what this Nowhere script, which is online, um, is out there. They told him to make Castaway the show. He had none of the okay. myth- he had none of the mythology stuff in there. None of the monster stuff in there, anything like that. Um, so, the Kate character has a similar storyline, or somebody is a prisoner. The Jack character, I can't remember what exactly his name is. It's a really, oh, Truman is his name. <laughs> really bad name. And it's like Ross and Truman are these two characters, and they're brothers. And they're fighting over control of a company after their father died. So there's still a dead father, which, if you don't know, Jack's father died. That's why he's on the plane. Um, and so Ross and Truman are these brothers that are kind of like battling the whole episode. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in here. Like I said, the Jack character, he knows that person on board who is his brother. Uh, it doesn't open with the eye. There's this really long teaser of the plane and there's lots of character introductions on the plane. And one of the characters is most definitely listening to Puddle of Mud because he specifies that in the script puddle of mud and i think that's the charlie character there's a whole family that's that's a part of the characters but mostly i love that there is a guy named general frank white okay this is a guy who's been in the military for like 38 years he's on the beach with them and he has these big moments in the pilot where he's like we're gonna survive we're gonna track these animals we're gonna find the edible plants and he gives this big speech about how they're going to survive. And he really becomes like the galvanizing leader. And then, <laughs> then after this triumphant moment, he slips on some rocks and falls off a cliff and breaks his neck. <laughs> Jeez. He falls off a cliff and breaks his neck. So then it, tur- it turns out that these two brothers have to be the leaders. But yeah. And then... And then some tuba music comes in, and the screen fades to black, and in yellow letters it says "Curb Your Enthusiasm." <laughs> it's really it's dark, man. It's like yeah, he made Castaway or like Lord of the Flies the show. He wrote it like so that there was a broken neck in the very very first episode, and I guess it's not much different than a monster ripping somebody to shreds. But um, uh, Lieber said he was shocked at how the series had veered away from his hyper reality to Jurassic Park. He said monsters, he thought. Really? He recalled how ABC executives had told him to cut an unrealistic scene of a shark attack. Uh, And he said, had I pitched the same ideas that were in the pilot that aired, I would have been laughed out of the room. So once Abrams came in and once Lindelof came in, I guess they were more willing to do like these supernatural, like weird things. But there's a story out there of Lieber like watching the the pilot and like seeing that they won these Emmys. And having to go to the Emmy ceremony because he was part of the team, but not having yeah. to go up on stage. Like, they didn't, wa- I don't think they wanted him to get credit for kind of like the base he laid out. Yeah. And, but I just love that General White gives this great speech, breaks his neck, and then 
these two brothers like have to have to take over. It's very, very like you said, it's like a hyper reality. It's very real and grounded, I guess is the good way to put it. Um, but it had, I don't know, it had a couple cool moments when I read it that I was like, yeah, I, I could see, like, Locke is obviously the General White. Um, Jack is obviously one of the brothers. Kate's the prisoner. Like, there's a lot. There's, like, the Puddle of Mud guys, Charlie. There's, like, a lot of character stuff that they took over and Damn. kind of reincorporated. Yeah, it was, it's called Nowhere. Like I said, it's out there. So if anybody wants to read a, a pilot script, it's really hard to read. You have to like click next to get to the next page. Um, so it's a little a little clumsy, but uh, yeah, it was interesting to read that and then see what see what came after it. Also, another note is that Jack is supposed to die in this pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was one of the little trivia things that I learned when I was looking for my obscure fact. <laughs> yeah, Jack was supposed to die, and it was supposed to be a Kate led show. Um, I think that would have been interesting. The that world would've... wasn't ready for a female-led show. No. Well, now they are, but may have, maybe back then, maybe in 2004, they were not. Um, and they probably just didn't know what they had with Kate, I would assume. Like, Jack was a more experienced actor. Matthew Fox was more experienced. He, he's, he had kind of led a show before. Was he the lead in Party of Five, or was he, like, second, yeah. third? Okay. He was like the dad stand-in, like the oldest brother, I believe. Gotcha. And so, I don't know, so they didn't know what they had with Kate, so the only really big-time scene they gave her, well, I won't say that. She had the, the stitching scene, but they had to do the gratuitous um, bathing suit scene. Of course, yeah. I mean, you have to do that <laughs> like, for come on. whatever reason. It's a little ridiculous. Just just a, a wee bit ridiculous. Uh, what what else do you want to bring up about this episode or these two episodes? Because we've got, I think, a lot of ground we've yet to cover. Well, at what point, if you're in a tragedy um, like, like this, do you start looting bodies? Because some people were already removing shoes and huh. digging in pockets. I think, like... I mean, I think, like, maybe if it's a survival thing, I think you got to do it right away. Like, I think Jack, he's looking for medicine, so that makes sense. Kate's taking shoes because she doesn't have any. Uh, I mean, I would obviously feel bad about it. Do you Do you think you would be able to do it right away, or do you think you'd have to wait? I don't know. It's hard to imagine what I would be doing in this in this scenario, but I just think it's, like, you have to establish order. Yeah. Think about the people you fly with. Like you always just never look up. You keep your headphones in. You read your magazine. You don't talk. You don't make eye contact. You're, it's like this miserable experience, and now you're on an island with them, maybe forever. Right. Yeah. You might it, eat them. It was certainly a nice touch that they they kind of included both that scene and Hurley suggesting that they burn the fuselage. Like those are two pretty gruesome details, but. Yeah. Like, that is the hyper-reality that they carried over, and that kind of balances out the monster stuff. Like, okay, there's a monster out there who can't come on the beach, apparently, but they have, like, real, like, emotional issues to deal with, and I think that's what makes this pilot so incredible, is that they balance, like, the supernatural and the organic stuff pretty well. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think either really dominated, right? Right, and it, it is a good balance because, like you said, the smoke monster, it can't go on the beach. Yeah, that's a little corny and weird, but the reality in the show is one of the worst things that could ever happen in real life, which is a plane crash. So it's so grounded and so dark and emotional. 
that the goofy stuff or whatever the sci-fi elements don't then you know you can kind of forgive them um you know i've i have a question down here that i was supposed to look up but i'm wondering what the promos were like and i'm wondering if they did anything with the monster stuff like i assume they did i assume that was part of the pitch to the public but it, it would have been cool if this show just premiered as like that lord of the flies style thing like the plane crashed and then nobody knew that the monster scene was going to happen with the trees shaking and all that stuff because that turns it from that turns it into a completely different show. I wonder if they did any of that bait and switch or if they were just kind of like pressured by the pressured by the network that yeah, we kind of got to do this. Well, a lot of the promo stuff I remember like before the episodes really started coming out was just the black screen with the white letters that said lost and then like Dun dun, and there's something like that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. I remember from what I was, I went into it thinking I was seeing Castaway, like with more people. Right, right. Like it was about the plane crash. There was no, I wasn't thinking about a monster or polar bears or a hatch or any kind of weird sci fi shit. I'm watching one right now, and it's just got a plane breaking and an explosion, and that's. Well, no, there's the polar bear is in the premiere, or the polar bear is in the pilot. And so, and like the tagline is, they survived the worst, or did they? Yeah, see, <laughs> come on. So, I mean, I guess they do tip their hand a little bit. It's only 15 <laughs> seconds, so they're going pretty short. But, uh, yeah, it looks like they did tip their hand on that. That's kind of disappointing. Imagine just watching this like you did and having no idea that this weird shit was going to uh, go down. Um, well, it was hard to watch this pilot for this show, for this podcast, because much like in real life, you get the feeling on, on this series that every single thing, every detail, every line of dialogue, it all means something. It's cracking this big mystery. And if you blink or don't notice one thing, you're totally screwed. And when you have this like pressure as me, you know, as an audience member, you know, I don't, I can't like relax and then really actually have the stuff sink in. So I'm trying to take notes, but I'm like, what do I write down? Like all this stuff, (laughs) like everything's going to mean something like way different. Um, Like the whole 9-11 Avengers scenario I I conjured (laughs) up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't like lock down what to really focus on in this pilot because it was just 84 minutes of like this beautiful movie with these really nice people talking, but then just like shit thrown at you. You know, I felt like that polar bear scene was kind of wedged in and, you know, we got to find the fuselage and then like, I don't know. It was and all crazy. I think that that kind of harkens back to like the debate of how we cover these things. Like, do we cover it with the knowledge that we possess or do we try to go in like as fresh as humanly possible and try to like pick it apart as if you had just seen the pilot because i can tell you right now that like the speech that jack gives um to kate about fear that comes back into play in like season three like he asks her to recount that story to know she's safe um and then there's, like, the polar bear thing obviously plays a part later on. Like, what is that doing? Why is it hanging out? All that stuff is explained. I think the monster not being able to come on the beach is explained, but I'm not positive on that one. But I think it is. So there are, like, a lot of things that, even from the pilot, they 
they explain at some point. So you do have to like come into this thinking, all right, I got to remember all these details because right. they're coming back at some point. Like all they set up so many. Uh, this is another thing that I'm very, very impressed by is that for a show based in mis- in mystery, they set up like 20 mysteries. Like there's the Jin and Sun. Why are they being such jerks? <laughs> there, oh, why is Jin being a jerk? There's Charlie's, you know, his drug habit. Um, there is, which was a really nice. Somebody's a prisoner. Somebody's a prisoner. Saeed was in the uh, was on the other side of the Gulf War. What is what letter is Sawyer reading? Like even just having Sawyer read that letter, that mystery letter, that's like setting up another mystery. Right. Um, and of course, they only give us two flashbacks to establish the solution for or the answer to a couple. Like they even go as deep at one point as explaining what Jack's tattoos mean, and like making a whole episode out of it. So it's like this whole. But I, I personally, I never got overwhelmed because I knew the answers. But I could see like somebody who like you that's that, that are, is worrying about missing something, right? Missing more because you're worried about missing one particular right. thing. <laughs> So I mean that's that's something, but I do think they juggle it really well, and I think that's a main aspect of why it was so, so incredibly successful. They might have just overplayed their hand a wee bit on how many they want to set up. Oh, and also the French woman, um, her her message, and oh yeah, that message that was had been looping for sixteen years. Right, right, and that's of course the end of the end of the second part of the pilot. Um. What other scenes did you want to bring up that um, were mem- memorable or that really painted to you why this is Hall of Fame worthy to us? Well, why it was Hall of Fame worthy to me, I mean, and as somebody who is completely ignorant of how good J.J. Abrams is at his job, I can appreciate why everyone loves him. Like, just watching this show as something to look at right? on that basic level of shooting it in Hawaii, they're climbing mountains. It's like this, it almost looks like an episode of Survivor. Right. Um, which was very popular at that time. And still kind of is. But anyway, like it just looks, it's just pleasant to watch people it's, who are good at directing, like direct something of this scale with this budget. It's, well, it's um, just, it's cinematic. And right. I think so- it was like a movie. So few TV pilots are truly cinematic, and really, there's those two moments that take you out of it where the CGI isn't up to par. But you know, the budget's twelve million. That's not, I guess, that's not a ton when you think maybe part of that went to actor wages, maybe part went to like you know food. Like <laughs> it could be broken down a million different ways. It didn't all go into what you see on screen, but I think a lot of it did. And I think that opening beach scene obviously was very expensive. But yeah, it looks like I could watch this in the theaters if it was a little more concise and was like the storytelling that is, and it was very streamlined. You know, I think I could watch that in theaters and feel like I was watching something that's meant <laughs> to be on the big screen. So that's that's a big part for me as well. Why else do you think this is Hall of Fame worthy? I think it's Hall of Fame worthy because it if you look at what was popular in television at the time, you had House Desperate Housewives and CSI New York. Those are the only network shows in the top 10. The rest were all cable. So this kind of started the trend towards 
network shows not sucking. Like, mm-hmm. being cinematic, having these very intricate stories and plot twists and cliffhangers and, like you said, all these foreshadowing and mysteries in an elevated television. Like, it, it's, it actually raised the bar of expectations for network TV. And even though now, like, cable is still better, like AMC and whatnot, it just... I don't know. It it gave people a chance to like something good, and it was popular. And and networks chose to continue making shit, of course, because it's cheaper. But you know, I just think be, part of why this is a Hall of Fame show is because they did it within the constraints of a network. Which you know they're going to be generous to a point, but it is about a bottom line, and they're only going to put up with so much. And I think you're you're really on the right track here. And I think it's also that being a network show. I think it did both good and not even like bad for network shows, but it really expanded the idea that they could do like serial storytelling. It didn't, yeah. it didn't have to like wrap up all in one week and, you know, and reset at the next week. Like, I mean, that, that were a lot of the shows that you were talking about. It could be serial in nature and really tell this huge expansive story and you didn't have to be on HBO to do so. Like I think Lost opened up a lot of avenues that again some abused and some took and ran with that helped network TV kind of not grow into its own but be big again I guess and you could be cinematic and you could spend a lot of money on like a network show and I think Lost was like a big moment in that evolution I don't really know if there is like a show right now that stands up to Lost in terms of like how big it is. On, on a network no not on a network i mean in terms of scale and scope maybe like game of thrones but yeah um, i mean that would be on a not, similar not a scale. network not a network yeah. so hbo obviously sinks a lot of cash into that right like, right i'm trying to just, i'm trying to think of like a show on a network though that is even close and i just i'm i'm not hitting anything like what are the big dramas on network television the good wife I think is a, a scandal scandal like, but those are very like case of the week style things, right? Yeah. They wrap up quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they probably have overarching stories, but they're, they do cases of the week like Hannibal at one point well, was kind of like a serial story, but not, not on the same scale. A lot of like office talks and like <laughs> things like that, right. you know, like bottle episode style strategies, maybe like wayward pines, which is on Fox, but even that I don't think is huge. Fargo? No, that's on FX. Yeah, that's right? on FX. All the big ones are on FX or on FX or HBO or AMC. Like network doesn't do a lot of things like this anymore. Well, while we're talking about scale and network and uh, Game of Thrones and HBO, I wanted to ask you about trusting genius. As far as like, so you have a J.J. Abrams or George R.R. Martin. Right, And I remember some criticism of Lost being like, all right, we have all these cliffhangers and questions. And these dudes are still right. Like during season three, they're still writing only like a month or so ahead. Yeah. And really like Abrams in particular, like a lot of people want to attach him to more than he's actually. I think he just directed the pilot and then he just kind of served as like in a producer role. So like it right. was, it was really um, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof who kind of took it from there and became the principal writers. And like R.R. R. Martin's like behind the 
he's behind the Game of Thrones TV show now because he's taken so long on his book. Like now they're just going from their own ideas. But I think um, I think more so what you're pointing to is that like the mystery thing and how they're kind of writing. Like eventually that's always going to catch up to you. Right. If you're writing a month in advance, like eventually it's just going to, the plot lines are going to twist on them onto themselves and become convulted and just not make sense. Like I think breaking bad probably is the best at tying up plot lines. And even that, even they wrote themselves into corners at times, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example off the bat, but it, I think they like you know. wrote them. Oh, oh, the Walt, the the trunk thing in the final season. Like they knew that Walt was going to have like this big gun in his trunk, but they didn't know what he was going to do with it. Ah, uh, so then he had to pull it up a certain way. And... Yeah, then they had to figure it out. It was like a puzzle. But like the J.J. Abrams thing is interesting because he is a director who's like both hated and loved at the same time. And whenever he touches something, there's like a good and bad stink that comes with it. Like. Star Wars was great and made a lot of money, but a lot of people thought it was too derivative. Same thing with Star Trek and same thing with Super 8 and those being his big directed movies. Um, and then there's also like this mystery box thing that's attached to him that like you don't reveal anything in the trailers and you keep everything super secret. And that was very much born from Lost and like his involvement in that and keeping everything like very, very close to the chest. Um, when it came to like revealing things ever, <laughs> but then yeah, the audience is only gonna wait so long. Like they're that you know, it's an instant gratification thing. That's what network TV is all about. Every thirty seconds, there has to be a joke or an awe or a kiss or a you know a laugh, something. Whereas Lost, I mean, you know, you're waiting weeks and weeks and weeks to find out, yeah, what its tattoo meant. And then it ends up being something dumb that didn't, like, advance <laughs> much or, no, you know what not. I mean? Like, yeah. just a lot. They they wrote themselves into corners a ton. Um, a, a few other things I wanted to bring up. They ha- Obviously, they have some post-9-11 vibes here. Um, yeah, the world was different in 04. It was. And, like, Saeed... I don't maybe do you think Saeed was like a big risk for that for them? Well, of course it would have been risky if he wasn't automatically a terrorist with an accent who was in the Republican Guard. Right. But they made him they're just like, well, we'll just remove any speculation and make him a terrorist and or like a reformed whatever. I mean not a terrorist, but you know what I'm saying. Like Right. I think they just took that out of it and made him. Oh, he's like one of the nice ones. See, American dum dums, like <laughs> yeah, like they're not they're not all Bin Laden. Like they're trying to make him like the Denzel of um, Middle Eastern people. Of course, like our Sawyer brings it up, you know. In, yes, in his the white ins- badass in his insult and says that Said was searched uh, before getting on the plane, and also that he was like sitting alone with his arms under a blanket or something on the plate, like something totally innocent. But I don't know. That's kind of like, it's kind of a good cultural touchstone in that point where they had to, they had to reference that if they're going to cast a character of that complexion and of that race, they had to have that part of the storyline. Like there had to be mistrust there. And I don't think that's such, that's really the case now. Like you can have a character who is of that race and not have to make that joke and not have to make like that accusation. 
Yeah, you can. I mean, think like just for some context on that, about seven weeks after this pilot premiered, George W. Bush would win his second term beating John Kerry. Right. Um, so people were not really ready for a warm and fuzzy uh, Muslim on TV yet, but... No, they were not. And <laughs> so I think I think in that regard, like, it's kind of interesting that those, like, accusations are in there because it's very much a product of its time. Um, but you also way. have the, the don't worry, like, the white, heterosexual, good-looking couple will save us all. Like, Jack and Kate, mm-hmm. there's no question, like, from minute one, these are the stars, these are the heroes, the show is about them. They may smooch, we don't know. They may they may do a lot of stuff, but like uh, I'm trying to remember if they do do a lot of stuff. I don't know if they do, but uh, um, yeah, the like the nine eleven thing was interesting, and I, I actually this is, obviously isn't on the same level, but I like that they pit Charlie as uh, Charlie is this rock star and eventually becomes like an oasis stand-in, and it's funny that they picked like picked an oasis kind of vehicle. Like the you all, everybody being their big hit, him being British, like all that stuff obviously points to those brothers and it will develop as the series goes on. But I don't know. Oasis in your time, was that one of like your top, was that a top fiver for you? Oasis was my Kanye in high school. Yeah, yeah. I I loved Oasis with a passion and fury and I hated Blur and I... <laughs> Grew my hair weird, and I, that's probably still why my hair is like shaggy and moppy. And like I loved, I first loved Liam, and then I grew to know that Noel was the genius. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was all about them. I, the, we had nothing like that in American music in in that time. I mean, we were, had grunge, but those guys weren't rock stars. They were all sad, depressed heroin dudes, and mm-hmm. like the, Liam and Noel seemed to enjoy, you know, being rock stars. I was like, yeah, that's that's what I'd be doing. And know. Charlie is very much of that ilk, which again is another comparison right, yeah. point. Like he, yeah. he makes sure to bring it up, like, yeah, I'm I'm that guy. That's me. You all, everybody, which is a song that I think we get more of later in the series. But it's funny just to bring it up like that. Um, uh, just a few little more little things. We'll probably wrap up. I think about an hour. I think that will be good. I don't think we need to do 84 minutes on the Lost Pilot. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, as, but as like I said, this. This this show, like I put so much pressure on it to do a big rewatch, and this was going to launch it. And I'm going to be so into it, and I just got so like make a total dad joke. I got so lost in it that <laughs> I, I mean, I just you know, it's so compelling, it's beautiful. It, the 84 minutes went fast, and yet I just find myself kind of feeling like I don't care. It goes it goes really fast. Well, I think. Like we're putting it in the Hall of Fame on technical aspects, on technical prowess. It's cinematic as a pilot too. Right. Compare it to right. other pilots. Go back and watch Bueller, and then watch this. Right. Like. <laughs> it's cin- it's cinematic nature. The what it did for like network dramas and what you could do with like serial storytelling. This deserves to be. <coughs> this deserves to be like an immortal entry in all the shows that we're doing. It's. Yes. One, it's one of the best pilots of all time. I, your frustration seems to be coming from the fact that you know what's coming, and you know that it frustrated you. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to see, I'm reliving like, <laughs> nothing but the frustration. <laughs> so to see like the mystery set up again, I feel like that's what's getting you down a little bit. Um, 
But again, this this still gets in on just pure like technical gorgeousness, and of course, of course. it was expensive, and I, I think it also has a lot of great performances. One little thing is that they really set up Hurley and Saeed as like this bonding couple of dudes but they don't really go they don't really go much further than that so i thought it was interesting that they kind of paired those two off because they pair off characters a lot jack and kate um hurley and saeed eventually sawyer and kate have their own little um relationship uh Jin and son are paired off michael and the son Locke and Walt. like they're always it's never really more than two people and I think they keep it simplistic for that. I think it's simplistic because of that. Like the interactions never get overloaded because you're allowed to kind of soak in. All right, this is going to be these two people's relationship. Like yeah. that's how they they connect. Like Walt and Locke connect through backgammon, and like we know that's their connection. So they never overload it, and I think that's a huge reason why this succeeds. So, but Hurley and Saeed, they try that. And it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really move. But I think everything else is done really, really well. Um, a couple other quick notes. Uh, the pilot that dies, that guy's name is Greg Gunberg. He's in every Abrams, Abrams production. Uh, he was even a pilot in the latest Star Wars, so that's a really good gig for him. Yeah. I, guess, I guess he's just a friend. <laughs> um, another reason it's going to the Hall of Fame is because the music is so excellent. Um, the guy's name is, I want to make sure I pronounce the last name right. It's Michael Giacchino and spelled not like that. So I had to look up the pronunciation, but Giacchino and just like the, I can't remember. I think it's the part where they're like looking through the plane and before the monster comes, it's like these really, really quick swells, um, followed by silence. And then the swells get sharper and quicker as they go on. And I really just love his contributions to this pilot some of the best music some of the best score music we've encountered so far in the study uh, let's see what else do i got oh the body the the end shot of the first part of the pilot is an all-timer it is the body in the reflection where it like goes into focus like it's like out of focus on the water and then it focuses yeah. in and you see the body yeah. above them that's in- fucking incredible i love that shot so much Great cliffhanger. And they did wait a week. They, these weren't aired back-to-back. Uh, let's see. I think I have... I got one more page, so I'll try to pull a couple more things out. The end line of the whole thing, Guys, Where Are We? That's a yeah. another really, really good cliffhanger and a, a, a very um, famous line from the show. The backgammon scene does end up being important for the future, like the light and dark, good versus evil type of thing. Uh, Jin has a really nice moment where he like she takes his hand and puts it on the the pregnant stomach and he like smiles for a second. Yeah, yeah. then he freaks out. There's yeah. like a, I do remember their flashback, and I know it's down the road. It has nothing to do with the pilot really, but the the uh, Jin and Sun flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, ends up being a good little story for those two. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of the music too, yeah. I like this the 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 um title sequence is just the word lost on a black screen and then that kind of scary Hitchcocky and twilight zone kind of vibe um yeah to no, me that's I, how i see it i mean again it's a, a super iconic opening and it only needs yeah. 10 seconds and then yeah. that's it and they never change it and imagine lost with like a traditional pilot 
or a traditional like intro sequence where they're showing like the names. Yeah. Like I just over their faces <laughs> some corny song. There's gotta be like a YouTube one where they like made that. Um, yeah, there's gotta be. But yeah, I mean obviously a great iconic opening and um very, 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 very memorable. Oh, jeez. I, I know your type. That's what Sawyer says to Kate and she says not so sure. And that leads perfectly into that quick flashback that she gets. I think in episode three, that's where they start doing like full out flashbacks, like where they're throughout the entire episode. Yeah, then it's like everybody gets their own little week and we got to sit yeah. through, you know, you hope it's, man, Something I want to see Hurley's this week. I don't <laughs> want to see a shitty one. Like, you know, I don't want to see uh, Boone's again, please. God. Right. Yeah. I don't want to see these rich assholes and what you, their dumb problem is. Do you remember what Boone and Shannon's was? No, I don't. I remember Jin and Soon. I remember Charlie a little bit, Jack a little bit. I thought Boone and Shannon was like this love thing. They're like half siblings. And like there was like this little relationship. I'm pretty I sure I, re- I remember it as that, but uh, yeah, I think that was what happened. That's pretty weird. And then Boone dies. Sorry. Not good. Too bad. Um, I, I yeah, at the beginning of the second part, I thought, "The fuck, we're getting a Charlie episode first? Like, because he had the first flashback, and I was just I was shocked that they did a Charlie one first, and then they didn't do one for a while, and then they did a Kate. So it was more so of like a a general flashback they, episode. Yeah, they seasoned them in. But it still has that trademark flashback music. Like it starts that little, that um, pace that most episodes would carry. Uh, anything else? Any other final Hall of Fame? This is why Lost is great. At least the pilot. Well, speaking of how Jack almost died in the pilot, yeah. um, my little fact Uh-oh, to win free beer was that that your boy Jack was almost played by Michael Keaton. No, true story. I'm looking that up. That's a fucking lie. Because I mean, that's but a, that's, that's gonna win if it's true. I will send you the link right now, and it's because the reason they didn't do it was because they thought the audience would be really pissed that they would have somebody awesome like Michael Keaton in there. Yeah, and then kill him. Oh, you know what? That would more so like because every time I hear of it, I hear like. It was supposed to be played as like a psycho style thing where they have a big star, they kill her off early, the shower scene, obviously, and then it's kind of passed off to lesser known actors. So bringing Keaton in as that main character and then killing him, that would have been super interesting because they, they would have billed him as the lead, as right. the big guy, and then they would have killed him in the first episode. So he's episode. gone in 40 minutes. <laughs> I wonder how, I wonder, they were probably going to kill him with the monster, I would assume. I guess, yeah, he would have died maybe instead of the pilot, like when they went to find the uh, transceiver. All right, so this is, I assume this is the link you're going to send me. I texted you it, and I believe I win. (laughs) Keaton says he was thinking about doing it until Abrams called to tell him that Dr. Jack Shepard was slated to die in the first episode of the pilot. Oh, no, no, okay. So he was going to do it if Shepard died. Because it would be like a week of work and he'd probably get paid a lot. And then once it was turned into him being a serious regular, he said, nah, I'm good. So <laughs> hmm. he said once he said, no, we're keeping the guy alive. And I said, oh, OK, well, I can't do that. Well, there you have it. But I mean, can you imagine Michael Keaton in that role? He would have he aged pretty quickly. I don't think it would have worked. 
Well, yeah, I mean, in 04, though, that was, like, his prime under-the-radar time. Like, he could have just, instead of waiting to do Birdman about Batman and then swearing it's not about Batman, he could have just, <laughs> he could have just, like, been Jack and, like, counted loot. Imagine how different, like, he wouldn't have gotten Birdman. He wouldn't have gotten Spotlight. He's He's got this new movie coming out where he plays, like, this uh, Ray Kroc from McDonald's. That, oh, okay. That looks pretty good. And he wouldn't have gotten any of those roles. He wouldn't have won an Oscar, I don't think. Because once you're on Lost, it's like, you kind of got a stink on you, man. Yeah, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you do have so many, like, as somebody who didn't stick with the series, I still always found Lost to just be such a cultural force and so iconic at the, you know, for the whole six season run. Yeah, I mean, who's, who's the biggest, who's gotten the biggest job out of it? I mean, Kate, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Evangeline Lilly. Because I think she got, well, she got Ant-Man. And the next Ant-Man movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp, which she's going to play the Wasp. So she'll be a title character in a, in a Marvel movie. So I, and Matthew Fox will not. <laughs> no, he will not. Not anytime soon. Not that I wouldn't take that man's career and life over mine in not even a half a heartbeat. I'm oh. just saying, like, acting-wise... As soon as they bring Exhausted Man to the screen, Matthew Fox is number one choice. Yeah. <laughs> He's just exhausted if, for if the Brad whole 50 Pitt minutes. If isn't available for it, then uh, they can that's get true. Matthew Fox. That's true. But... Like, I'm thinking, like, um, Sawyer had a brief, Nothing. brief part in... The Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. No, no, no. Mission Impossible, whatever the one before that was. Um, Rogue Nation, maybe. No, I can't remember. They're all the same to me. Yeah. He also had a TV show on Fox that didn't go anywhere. Um, Hurley, nothing. Jin and Sun, nothing. Charlie, nothing. Like, he was in Lord of the Rings before. Right. Or no, this was was this like kind of in the middle? I think this is probably what got him in that. Uh well we better check when Lord of the Rings came out because I thought it was almost wrapped up like around lost time. Hold on. That is a good question. Because I I remember him being in it and being like, Oh, that's the guy from Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Well maybe you're right then. I, I don't I wasn't watching Lord of the Rings at the time. Fellowship was... Fellowship of the Ring was released on to, in in two thousand one, so Return of the King. Oh damn! Yeah, so I would assume Those are that, that old shit. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it's not giving me. It's giving me other shit. Oh, look, Return of the King was two thousand three. Mm. So well. wait, they came out in consecutive years. One, two, three. That's insane. Um, but yeah, so it was all finished by the time Lost had premiered. But a lot of the shows we've done. I mean, if you look over our first season here, right. And just in general, the the thing about, I guess, would you rather be an actor who is only like Sheldon Cooper and just be a trillionaire but have no artistic fulfillment? Mm, Or would you rather be a real actor that isn't really, you know, they're not selling catchphrase t-shirts at Target? I think it would have been But like you get to be an awesome actor. I think you'd want to be an awesome actor. Like that's where the... I don't know, that's where like the the acclaim is and that's where you get to do different things and like do a comedy and then a drama if you're like really talented, like a Cranston or something. 
and or like a gosling and i I don't know i feel like i'd want to do that even though you wouldn't be as rich but not to i don't want to like say anybody's a shitty actor or throw anyone under the bus or or whatever but that is kind of what we do here (laughs) let's just say this like the dude who plays an ancillary character on big bang let's say because we use that as the term for shitty show (laughs) like yeah so the not not the kid from roseanne and not Sheldon, but the other two dudes. You're one of those two. Nobody knows your actual real name. For the rest of your life, you're going to be, hey, asshole from whatever, you know, like, you're not a real, a- like, are those guys real actors or do they, were they just like, we need an Indian dude and Aziz is too famous now. <laughs> and, you know, the other guy that we're allowing in Hollywood is busy. So just get like Indian guy number 751 from auditions. Again, not saying like because he's Indian. I'm just saying that's how Hollywood is. Like they're almost filling they don't really care who the actor is. It's just filling a look or a whatever. Whereas in Lost, Hurley, like, yeah, he's a big whatever funny guy, but that actual dude like made the part better. You know what I am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. I think he certainly like without him that part is nothing. And again, I'm looking through I'm looking through like the different people that were in this and I don't see anybody that did anything afterwards. <laughs> like even like people that came in later, nothing. Like Terry O'Quinn who played John Locke, he was in They tried to give him a show or two. I've always remembered him getting like chances. Yeah, he was on Hawaii Five O the reboot. And he had something else, I think, that he filmed a pilot for, and it didn't come out, but he didn't really go anywhere. Evangeline Lilly is clearly the most successful post-member of this cast. You have Ant-Man, and on top of that, let me bring up her filmography here real quick. She was in um, The Hurt Locker. Damn. She was in The Hobbit movies, uh, the new Hobbit movies. She was in Real Steel, that one where Hugh Jackman and the Punching Robot are in it. A pretty big movie, if not so very successful. And yeah, she was she had some big movies, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> I guess the unfortunate thing is like to where I was trying to go with that shit before was if, like if you're on a show, whether, you're toast. Yeah, whether you're on the Big Bang Theory, which is kind of considered critically shit, or you're on something critically beloved like Lost. You're still going to be Hurley from Lost. You're still going to be Roger or whatever from Big Bang. Like, me, you're never... It, so you might as well take the money. <laughs> let, me, let me just give you a, a little quick um, thing of Matthew Fox's m- movie roles. He was okay. somebody called Bruder in a movie called Bone Tomahawk, which I, I heard was actually pretty good. He was in a movie I've never heard of called Extinction. He was in World War Z as just a parajumper, no name. Damn. He was a character named Picasso in Alex Cross. <laughs> That's really bad. Um, and, of course, he was in Vantage Point. He was in a movie, We Are Marshall. Uh, but, yeah, he was in Party of Five and Lost. That's, and that's about it. The only reason they give him names in all these fucking movies is because every scene he's in, the main character has to, like, scream his name to bitch him out. <laughs> They're like, get Bruder in here, get Picasso in here. Like, they just have to give him. A, like, the paratrooper didn't get yelled at, so like, eh, fuck Fox. He doesn't get a name in this movie. What's your name? Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack. Um, Private Johnson, sir. Paratrooping in. Like, uh, and um, Naveen Andrews, who played Saeed, nothing. 
basically nothing. He's in a couple movies like Grindhouse, but yeah, it's pretty bad. Like these guys are basically all fucked after they came off a loss. So thank you for loss, guys. But I'm sorry, like your career went so downhill after that. Oh, Hurley was in the ridiculous, um, the ridiculous six, the Adam Sandler Netflix movie. Oh, awesome! Let's not forget that. Hurley was on the cover of a Weezer album. I mean, that's probably the best. Very true. (laughs) <laughs> but let let me just I, I don't know like I would still rather be the guy from Lost than the guy who works in a basement with two weird dudes and what like, what occupation are you describing right now? <laughs> my, are, you, are you running an underground porn site or what's going on? Uh, yeah, I work. In, I'm in a uh, well, no, that's not funny. Never mm. mind. But are you um, saying that your workplace is that you actually do work in a basement with two other guys? Yes. Oh, okay. I, yeah. So I would much rather be yelled at in the street as the guy from Lost than just as some asshole who's like, in, you know, in somebody's way or. You know what? I'm going to agree with that. I think I would I would take the money as well and get the fuck out of there. Um, they probably didn't get paid as much as Big Bang, though, because their cast is so oh, huge. God. Big Bang. I mean, it's so just... huge in this show. Um so I mean, for for next season, just like a little tease for next season, we I mean we might do a couple thought experiments where we uh, try to do a few of these episodes in a row and see who breaks. Um, <laughs> so that might be part of it. We'll probably do another twenty four episodes, but uh, yeah, I think expect better sound quality. We're gonna get that figured out over break. We are going to maybe do like two Hall of Famers in one season, like maybe halfway through and then... We'll do like an all-star halfway through and then a Hall yeah. of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. And then, I don't know, we'll probably do... I, I kind of like the theme months. I, I kind of think that's pretty fun, even though it does tie us into like certain shows for a while. Like it I think really, it's good, though. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good thing to kind of organize and separate things. Um, if you do listen to the show and you have listened on a consistent basis through season one... Let us know. Um, tweet at us at either at Pilot Study Pod or at Modern Vinyl. What's your Twitter name, John? At underscore Grimes John. All right, and I'm at Chris Lantinen. C H R S L A N T I N E N. You can. I am private because I teach and I don't really want all my students mm-hmm. to see my posts. But you can uh, request to follow me, and I'm I'm sure I'll approve you unless your name looks like a spam bot, and then I probably won't. But, uh, yeah, it's been a really great season, and I can't wait. I like planning things, so I'm excited to plan out <laughs> the next season and just to kind of see what we can improve on. And so I think it was like a good – this is this whole season felt like a pilot for what we're going to eventually try to do. Yeah, I mean, it'll change, I think. Uh, we hit on some pretty cool stuff, some pretty cool games. Um, Luckily, there's like a million shows and a million more really good shows. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of material. It's hard to narrow down what we want to talk about because we both love TV. If you couldn't pick up on that, that's kind of. I mean, that's why I wanted to do anything at all, and this kind of is changing into something pretty real and pretty cool, like a concrete idea. So yeah, I'm looking forward to season two and. Uh, it's been a lot of fun just digging deep into TV um, with somebody as weirdly obsessed with me. That it's funny our notes like when every week when you send me them, they're <laughs> the same. Like we write down the same thing. It's every time. Yeah, we do so, have a lot of similar you know. shit, and even like the obscure stuff we seem to settle on. And yes, you won. <laughs> Michael Keaton as Jack Shepard would have been amazing. I'll give you that one. 
Well, it's going to be your bachelor party, so you you will not be spending a buck. But you could give me a pat on the back or something for finally having something. I'm going to give you a very sportsman-like pat on the butt. Just give me a punch to the face. (laughs) (laughs) Where's, like, the perfect butt slap? Is that, like, right above the cheek? Well, you want it, I think, mid, just so, you know, the pain factor is minimal. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Because when I see football players, they're not usually, like, going full cheek you know right in the middle well but, that would be weird <laughs> well we are, we are podcast partners in life and in love so let's remember that all right it so, is a fun thing but anyways yes getting back to the point season two it's going to be good season two is going to be good better sound quality um a more i think a more curated list of shows that we'll have planned out well in advance and yeah it's going to be good so we're going to wrap up thank you grimes as always for joining me Thank you, and thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back. I think we'll probably be back in early June. Let's plan for that. So we'll talk to you guys plan for early June. in early June. And, you know, tweet at us and let us know if you're watching any good old television. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. <laughs>